everyone. This is the Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime suspense and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service, you're in complete control of your own podcast, you can run it from your own website, and it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. My guest today is the author of two book series. One is the Screen Siren Noir series, featuring British film stars that get caught up in noir tales of blackmail, obsession, scandal, and death. His latest release, Vivian Fontaine, is the fourth in that series, and he's working on a fifth. He also uh, writes a horror series under the moniker Ghostly Shadows Anthology. I'd be interested in hearing more about that, too. There are six volumes in that series. Originally from Wales, he now lives with his wife and daughter in London. It's my pleasure to introduce my guest, F.R. Jameson. Hi, F.R., how are you doing today? Hello, Debbie. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Oh, wonderful. And what a wonderful backdrop you've got there. Just delightful. <laughs> Regal Theatre. Ooh, it's just... I think it looks more American than it does British, but I might be wrong. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. Yeah, it looks very um, Broadway-ish or, or something right. like that. Yeah, grand. Um so uh, it is nice to finally see you after uh, getting your newsletters where you talk about movies a lot. I love that. Yes. I really do enjoy your newsletters more than most authors because of that, I think. You talk about Thank television you. shows, you talk about movies, you talk about yes. something other than your books, which is, but you do talk about your books too. I do, I do talk about my books. I feel like, oh yeah, you could do, but then... Yeah, I send it out every fortnight, and to send it out every fortnight only talking about that, I would be bored, because <laughs> yes. you know what it's like when you're when, when you're writing a book, it's great when it's finished, but the actual incremental stages of it, it's not that fascinating. Yes. You know, another two weeks, I've done another 60 pages. <laughs> they seem quite good <laughs> yes yes I can't wait for you to see them yeah, I've been sitting yeah. here at my desk and it is so exciting writing this 60 pages <laughs> and then you want, you want things like you're know, reflecting that kind of existential, existential dread when you're about two thirds through and you're thinking is any of this good 
<laughs> is, this, is this just terrible? I don't know anymore. <laughs> I have had those thoughts, believe me. Oh, oh it, I think it, all authors have those thoughts where you, think you so. get to the point. You get to the, you do get to a point where you think you have other ideas in your head and you just think, I'll just write one of those. Because that compared to this is it, it, brilliant. So you you know you get you know experience enough to know. You get two thirds into that, you'd be thinking, ah, I want to do something else now and <laughs> yeah yeah you really have to um kind of hone in on those things that really interest you and really excite you i think yes. and go with those and, and set set aside other things for other times so to speak um what inspired you to write about uh, british film stars um well so looking i was thinking because I'm, I'm sort of massive noir fan I've sort of read the earlier sort of Megan Abbott novels, which is very much in that milieu um, in Los Angeles, and also read um, James Elroy. And in my past, you know, you've got Chandler and James Kane and Dashiell Hammett and Jim Thompson. And, you know, of, you know, I'd love to do a book like that, but not being American and not knowing the locales. I felt, you know, it, it would be starting out with imposter syndrome. And I didn't, I didn't want to be in the situation where I'm sweating over Hollywood geography. And, you know, would you really go to that club? Would you really turn left at that place? Or would you keep going? And it'd just be, it would just, unless it just made it all up, which, you know, feels wrong. I wanted it so grounded in the place. And then it occurred to me, you know, Brit Britain did have, you know, did, did, does have a film industry, which is a much smaller affair, but it is there. And you did have things like big studios in the 1950s. You had Rank, you had Ealing, you did you know, Hammer. You had these places in the 1950s and 60s, and you could set it around there, but they, come, they become, by necessity, smaller and more parochial tales because it's not... The massive star system, big glamour machine Hollywood is. There is a small smallness to it, but that works, I think, in that kind of um, in the kind of genre's favour. Because one of my sort of favourite authors, sort of writing this stuff, is Jim Thompson, who can write these books in kind of like set in like nowhere little towns where characters wind up in the other you know, things start happening or cities that kind of just exist in kind of dreams almost they don't seem to have any geographic basis to them but I, they are small they're small places and so i was sort of leaning into the smallness of them as opposed to the big glamour of hollywood which would be fake if i tried to write it well i think focusing on the small stuff makes it far more interesting i've always found you know it's interesting how many of these movies are set in la or new york but some of the most interesting stories take place outside of those places. And yes. uh, this is, again, you know, for something like British cinema, which itself yeah. is smaller compared to, say, Hollywood. I mean, that yeah. in itself interests me. But you guys yeah. had Alfred Hitchcock first. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he, he'd gone by about 1940. And yeah, we did. Yeah. You had, it was much more done on a shoestring. Operation Prism of the fifties and sixties, and if you know, I, I I have in my head one set in the seventies, and by that point it's terrible sex comedies, 
is the main thrust of the British film industry. <laughs> it's a whole other business. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not the new Hollywood. It's going to just read awful films and other, yeah, that are the main focus of it. Awful films, ridiculously good casts because that's the only work they could get. Wow. Well, yeah. you know, I see what you're talking about there. I, I think I know the films you're talking about too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are the main characters based on actual actresses? Um, I've read a lot of um, biographies of directors and actors and actresses. So I haven't, I haven't um, specifically taken a, a an actress and tried to um, read her life story in a fictional form. But I have, through a lot of reading, as occasionally watching documentaries of them. You know, little nuggets are pulled out and kept in mind of things that really happen to people that I can then use to happen to my fictional protagonists. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there was a good deal of research in terms of reading that went into to preparing. There's the a good writings. deal of kind of very pleasurable research. I, I yeah. greatly enjoy reading that stuff. I don't find it onerous. <laughs> and I sort of a lot of watching old films and which again, I don't find it's all it's all all, re, all research I enjoy. Exactly, especially watching those old films. Yes, <laughs> very much. Um, what are your plans for the series? Do you have a certain number of books you'd like to write, or? Um, well, so also write. I mean, as well as the sort of Ghostly Shadows series, you sort very kindly mentioned. I've got another series which is. Um, the Ludo Castes supernatural thrillers, which which kind of straddles both the thrillers and the horror. But I think the supernatural elements takes them for a lot of thriller fans far more into the horror arena. Just because you know, a lot of thriller fans are very much focused on real world stuff and see the supernatural thing elsewhere, which is fine. So I mean that at the moment is my main focus. But yeah, I certainly want to keep writing the noir novels as or as I get a great deal of pleasure from them. Um, so I've got another one already typed up on, on my computer. So I now have to sort of at some point sort of rewrite it and edit it. And I've got ideas for others. I have starts for others. So it's just when when I can get the focus to sort of get the attention down. And I don't know, maybe I'm I'm just finishing because I start my process, I start off writing a book in longhand in notepads. And I've sort of nearly sort of finished writing one um, New York Tales supernatural thriller for next year. And I think from for like January, maybe I will write a short noir novel. But I've had it kind of for myself. It's such a change of pace from thinking of scares or terrifying things. Which, which in the Lucas Tears book, also you're, you're trying to think of a kind of a Sherlock Holmes escalationship and Doctor Who stuff as well. So I'm kind of huh. lots of things fed into that. But yeah, it is quite nice to then go to, you know, I'll try and do a Richard Stark novel or a James M. Kane or Jim Thompson stuff and just kind of be inspired to that or just sort of think of a story from, yeah. Which history they can I can weave in? Yeah, I've got an idea for one which kind of leans into Cold War stuff in the early seventies. 
which, which you know, would be a slight difference to it, but it changed pace. It would very much fit into that world. So the answer to the question is yes, I do want to write more and I will write more when I when I when I when I carve time, which is always the thing. <laughs> yes, time is always the thing. When do you yeah. uh, generally write? What kind of writing schedule do you keep? And the mornings and evenings. So I write I I don't have it writing everything first draft by hand in notebooks. Which is just a good exercise in getting it all down. So I was writing a chapter earlier, and how it is in my notepad now is not very good. It's got the salient things I want to have in that chapter there. So it's done. And then I'll type them all up. Type up the books quite quickly. Um, type them all up, make changes and improve things along the way. And then I have my sort of work through version, which is when I go through that document and rewrite and edit and change things around. And it becomes this all kind of a consuming thing of, you know, I have, when you're going through that process, like 20 things in my mind of plot arts and changes and go have go back and sort of foreshadow that. And so it's kind of ticking off a lot of stuff on a list all the time. But mm -hmm. it get, yeah, I get through it and get it all done and get to the other side and hopefully have a, a you know a book I'm really happy with then. And it's kind of like it's kind of it's kind of one of those moments of I'm sure you'll appreciate as well. You get to the point where you are happy with it, but you have to kind of draw a line in it because you could keep going, seeking perfection. You could just keep going off, well, another, another couple of drafts of that, then, you know, it's five years later and you're still working on that one book and by that yeah. point you're thinking, has it, has it got better now? <laughs> or was it better three years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I tend to be that way more with screenplays than I do with books, actually. Yeah. Screenplays are, are like a continual work in progress all mm -hmm. the time. Um, but uh, so well, I think the screenplay more, more, I mean, more than the book is you know, your screenplay, you're handing it to other people, so you're, you're, you're giving it across, and then there's only lots of notes from the director and the actors, and Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Even before, yeah. even before then, just to reach a reader, it's it's like, yeah. ugh, it's a real, uh, it's a real, a lot of work. That's all I'll yeah. say about that. Um, so uh, I'm interested in the fact that you seem to blend genres and kind of shift among them very easily. Um, what made you decide to be horror? Are you more horror or thriller or crime? How do you like to describe your writing? Um, I tend to the description books I write. I say I write supernatural thrillers and historical thrillers. My 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 screens uh, screens are noir. I'm not entirely sure how you would do the noir novel. Right now, well, yeah, with mobile phone and technology, there are obviously ways you can do that with thriller, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't don't want to tackle stuff. I would see, I see myself as someone who writes thrillers, 
but it just depends on what time they get blended with. And a lot a lot of it is me writing for my you know, stuff that entertains me and hopefully other people come along. Mm-hmm. It's my, uh, my my supernatural thriller series, Ludicast Over My Life, so wrote one of the Ghostly Shadows book first introduced those characters. And I wrote that one with Paul the Mandrake. And my wife, who was reading it, I was thinking very much as kind of the central relationship is Sherlock Holmes and John Watson. And my wife's reading it, and they're going, it's very Doctor Who, this. It's very Doctor Who and Companion. I go, yeah, yeah, I had that hand occurred to me, given how much Doctor Who actually that what doesn't surprise me. So I I do now in my head, whenever I'm writing one of these, go, there has to be like a Doctor Who scene of, you know, just for the central character, it's to be brilliant. Just that kind of you can oh, wow. try and solve this by being brilliant. So I mean that's in my head all the time. And it's sort of something I like. But then where I'm doing one of the um Noir novels. It is it's a, it's a fine line when you're doing one of those books of you know you want to do all the tough guy stuff, and you want you know you want to sort of lean into your shambling and so on. But it's very easy to tip into parody, <laughs> particularly yes. Shandler. If you try to write Shandler, it's very very easy to go. Yeah, yeah, this is this is some kind of joke then, isn't it? It's what you're writing now, rather than <laughs> it would be like me trying to take one of my novels and turn my characters into British characters. I don't mm. think it would work. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Although I will say that uh, the main character I write about now likes Marmite. <laughs> okay, <laughs> she encountered it. She encountered it while overseas and decided she liked it. She's on the love party. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. What authors have most inspired your work? I think you've named quite a few. Yeah, I have names. Um, when I was, yeah, when I was young, you know, Stanley was a massive touchstone. Um, I've read a huge amount of Stephen King over time. Um, and, you know, he, he writes... He, yeah, there's there's an element of he he writes well, he's on form, but he writes pretty too many books, and they sometimes they're often quite too long. But <laughs> so we still be stoned back to his you know his world. Um, he, I mean, so someone's out of, out of that genre. P.G. Woodhouse would be someone who I is a very much enjoying that kind of um, very Woodhousian thing of avoiding the cliche and going out of their way to avoid the cliche in the most entertaining fashion possible. And I always I always think that I was having my head I'm not E.G. Woodhouse, I wouldn't try some of his tricks, but it's always there of trying to go round the cliche rather than, you know, simply use it. And sometimes you know, sometimes you fail to do that. Sometimes you know it's just the the moment in the text being so fraught that going through some roundabout way to write the cliche just feels absolutely wrong and it makes more sense to just use it. But I always <laughs> do have it in my ear. I'm always thinking of that. Is there a, is there a fresher way to say this? That's a that's a great approach. I mean, yeah. taking those tropes and then 
kind of um, subverting them a little bit is something that appeals to me very much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you've got to you've got to think of your, um, yeah, you know, you've got to think of your reading. If you're reading stuff about you know footsteps echoing and doors creaking and all that stuff and all the stuff they've sort of read a thousand times before. Then I, I know I'd be saying, well, yeah, this is fine, but you know, is there anything new here? But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of to try and aim the stuff that is yeah, is interesting in its own way. And obviously not not yeah, not every book's gonna be for everybody. In fact, most books aren't going to be for everybody. So but if you can find your readers and they can get on with your style and enjoy it, then all to the better. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, what uh, advice would you give to anyone interested in writing for a living? Um, I would. It's just a case of doing it. I mean, I remember a friend of mine. He'd sort of saved up money and he left his job to become a screenwriter. And then he spent the next three years researching how to be a screenwriter. And he read books about narrative and books about script and just went on. And he, every time he spoke to him, it was, you know, I've done this, I've, been, I've broken down on narrative to this, I've broken down conversations to this. Are oh, you right? Have you written anything in script? Well, not yet, no. And it's kind of like it's just stopped being this inspiring tale and became this cautionary tale of, <laughs> you know, you actually do, if you leave your job, you know, to sort of follow your dream of writing, you do actually have to write some stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. You, you know, you, yeah, and yeah, it is a case of just getting down and writing. If you get it down, you know, there's that kind of Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing, and it probably, it's probably it is something in that. You just need to write a lot and have written a lot and understand, you know, start understanding narratives and um, how they work and how it functions. You know, when you're watching films, you kind of look look at what they're doing, look at what comes up again and again. So I sort of, wife and I are very um, fond of looking out for a Chekhov's gun or a Chekhov's whatever it's going to be, something that's suddenly been introduced early in the story because that's going to come back up later. <laughs> right, the right. Fact, yeah, the fact you've labelled this thing means we are getting this back then, doesn't it? <laughs> like looking yes. for how these things work. You will never read a book the same way and you'll never watch a movie the same way after <laughs> doing this kind of writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of what it comes down to. And um, yeah, with screenwriting, it's all very visual too. It's like, yes. in addition to the fact that other people will read it and have ideas about how to do it, um, yeah. you have to constantly think about what 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 is the viewer seeing. <laughs> yeah, but how Not, far do you go with kind of the descriptions for that? Because yeah, there must there must be a temptation to go. I will describe everything of this room now. Just to... Well, there must oh. there might be on the part of some people, not on, yeah. on my part. <laughs> <laughs> my my tendency is to be too short now, and it's come mm -hmm. over, come across in my writing books too. I have to focus to to really say, okay, what does this place look like? And 
even maybe draw it out <laughs> yeah so that i can actually write in the details and yeah. give the people the impression of being there which is just not the same with screenplays it's more like you want to give people a feeling of being there it's like yeah. feeling 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 it's all about the feeling you give the reader it's yeah kind of weird and it's hard to describe <laughs> yeah well I've, um, I've read your um book damaged goods and that does have the feel of of, of a screenplay to it. Obviously, oh, very cool. quick, snappy skeet scenes, and it feels like someone who you know knows their way around the film script. Because you can, you know, you're going very quickly from one thing to the next, and nothing's overstayed its welcome. You're not. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. As long as as long as it doesn't feel like you've been shortchanged or anything. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Excellent. Good. Um... And you write all your stuff out like a, a complete like outline of your your work before you start writing to a certain extent in that I tend I tend to write in like three acts I think I sort of have a first bit and the second the middle bit and then the end bit and so I've, I have at the start an idea of what's going to be in the middle bit an idea of what's going to be in the end bit, but they can change as I go along. And you get more into it and think, actually, it would work better this way rather than, you know, my original plan. Well, I remember once, um, before an unfinished screen Simon Noir, I did actually do the thing of to write chapter summaries for every chapter, for like 40 chapters, and then by the time I got to write it, I just felt utterly bored with it. it was kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, yeah, well. That's why I can't really do, I can't write everything yeah. out, you know. It, it's got yeah. to come to, you know, there has to be some surprise in there. I I, yeah. I generally yeah. plot to some extent, but then I, I allow myself to deviate from it. Do you kind yes. of do the same? Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Just, you know, look at it and go, well, you, you will have when when you're writing, you're not you're not the bit the bit of your brain that gives you the ideas is obviously not switched off when you're writing. So you're you're not only really sort of trying to coin those senses, but you are you are thinking, oh, that would be better. Be better. And sometimes you you'll create a character in the midway through. You think it's going to be a small part. You write them thinking, actually, this would be a good character to have drive this part of the plot, rather exactly. than someone who appears and then you know. Is going to be discarded. This is a good character to keep moving forward with, and and that way you make sure, all, yeah, that way you make sure all yeah. your characters are actually part of the plot, as opposed to just, you know, yeah, there for no reason. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there are there are some characters who are more present than others. You know, so yeah, I mean, they are your kind of main protagonists, but some of those, those smaller characters you need for a bit, you just think, no, that's actually a really good really good one that I have to keep going with because, yeah, it would make the book more fun. And that's, in the end, what you want to do. You want to write as entertaining a book as you possibly can. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? Oh, no, just, just, just to say that... Yeah, if if you want to hear you and I chat about old films at some point, please just watch this space. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting ready to put together some film discussion and mm -hmm. uh, put that up on my uh, film review channel. Yeah. So cool. This is excellent. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, yeah. It will be great. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, by the way, and, and sharing some time and your advice and so forth with us. No problem at all. Thank you very much for having me. It was my pleasure. And uh, again, I would like to thank everyone who's listening and uh, with thanks to my Patreon supporters as well for supporting me. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review. They help. Uh, until next time, when our guest will be Kim Hayes, happy holidays and happy reading. Take care. Be seeing you. Bye.